Hey Life Church, Ken Roger here, student director. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. If you are a brand new listener, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a subscribe. We also invite you to be a participant in what God is doing in this community and in this church through giving, which you can do via our now page. I am so excited for what you're about to hear. I won't even spoil it for you, but but what you're about to hear is a sit-down discussion between Pastor Nathan, Pastor Jared, and our friend Kevin Butcher. And you'll hear all about why he's our friend and, and, and the amazing discussion they're about to have. But go listen to that, and I'll talk to you in a little bit. See you soon. You can have a seat. Thank you for being here. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors. And if you're new... I'm so glad you're here, and I think it's a great Sunday for you to be visiting online or in person, because today we're going to continue what we've already been singing about, about the unmatchable love of Jesus and and how that's done in relationships. I want to introduce you guys uh, to someone who I greatly respect, and that's Kevin. Everyone say hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. How are you? (laughs) Um, I first met Kevin, interestingly enough... I was sitting right above that screen in the back, up in the balcony, and I was here incognito, checking the church out as part of the interview process. And so Kevin was the first face, uh, first person I saw preach at this church, and he was here as a, as a guest speaker. And uh, it was really, really amazing to hear his heart, which you'll hear, like you can't get away from his heart, and that's, that's the beauty of it. But Kevin is uh, an author uh, as well, and he's come here and brought his, a couple of his books, um, which I can't encourage you enough. We'll talk a little bit more about what those do and what they're for, um, but I think no matter where you're at, these are books that you can read and feel the heart of this individual. Kevin's more than that. He's, he's led multiple churches of various different sizes through crazy moments in history in this city as well. So he's, he's a local. He knows the area and knows the place. But right now, his main focus is something called Rooted uh, Ministries, where he uh, empowers and meets with pastors and loves on them and cares for them and helps them through the wounds and the brokenness that they have. And um, it's been a joy. And and that's how I connected to him again about 18 months. Actually, I don't really know. I think it was about 18 months ago. It's somewhere in this pandemic nightmare um, that it just continues to move on. Uh, But it it was this moment of time where uh, this is actually the first time we've met in person uh, this weekend because we spent time on Zoom talking about the love of God. But the cool part about this is like, I, you know, unbeknownst to me, Jared has also connected with Kevin. So how do you, how do you know Kevin? Yeah. So we're actually just going to talk about Kevin as he sits here. He's not going to say anything this entire time. You flew out here just for that, right? Uh, no, I'll, I'll be quick. I got to know Kevin through my wife, actually, who's working for the GLC, which is with the denomination. And Kevin does a lot of work for the denomination as well. And uh, since we moved here, I had had some mentor figures back in Minnesota, but hadn't established <laughs> some folks here. And so she just said, you, know, you should really connect with Kevin. He seems like a good guy. And, um, and so connected with him, our stories just seem to align really well in terms of his roles as a pastor, but then also some of the things that I've experienced personally as a pastor as well. And they've been so um, helpful for me to, to navigate through some of the journeys that I've been on as a pastor. Um, but he's just such an encouragement to me too, uh, because of how he talks about God and how he thinks about Jesus and the love of God. And uh, some of what we're going to be talking about today is just simply the love of God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's easy to get into a spot where you're just like, 
yeah, yeah, okay, we, we know God loves us and all those, those things, and, like, let's move on. Let's, let's talk about, like, the, the big stuff. Let's talk about the hard stuff. Let's talk about the intellectual stuff. And, and you are just a constant reminder to be like, yeah, but if we just kind of push the love of God aside, we're, we're going to be lost. And, um, and so it just seemed right to us to have Kevin come and remind us of yet such a, such a profound idea, just that God loves us, just to sit with that that God mm. loves me, mm. um, and to be reminded of such a profound thought, yet such a simplistic um, idea that we see all throughout these scriptures, these words, but it's an experience of our heart, and so mm. we wanted to talk about that as well. Amen. So thank you for being here. Mm, my uh, honor. You've been able to spend some time with us, so thank you. Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I'm old. Um, <laughs> Uh, feel old, especially around these young, young brothers. Um, I'm honored that they choose to hang out with me. And, uh, but I guess, you know, when you say you've had some years behind you, you've also had some experiences. And some of those experiences have been painful. And uh, for me, I, I, was, um, I was a successful guy, I guess, as, as success would be defined. But about about 32 years ago now, at the age of 36, at kind of the height of my success, I found that I was so empty inside. I mean, I had um, six years of Greek, two years of Hebrew, three years of Latin, and, and honestly, an absolute head full of the Bible. <laughs> and and there, look, I love the scriptures, man. I've, I've used this text so often for the last 30 years that it's, it's literally falling apart. Um, so I love the Word of God. But I had a left brain full of words about God and words about the love of God. But what I found out is that I had an emptiness in my heart about the experience of the love of God. So one night, at the height of my success, with all the plaques on the wall and married to my best friend and three beautiful little girls, I almost took my own life. And uh, that was a turning point in my journey. God saved my life at that, that point, And I started a journey toward what, what was this emptiness? And God through many different circumstances, help me to understand what you're missing, son, is the experience of my love for you. And so his love has literally, literally changed my life. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's so clear to me, even from, you know, almost four years ago, I think it was March 18th, 2018, I, I actually looked the message back up to watch it again, oh, wow. transported back in time, which was incredible. But I kept a journal of like the first year here. So mm. I have notes about you and your speaking oh, wow. back there. And uh, the note I wrote was, uh, this guy, the speaker, can't seem to stick to the series. He seems obsessed with Jesus's love. And I was like, <laughs> what are, like I, I just wrote that thinking I'm never going to see this guy again. But actually, I think it's, I, I would hope that you take that as a compliment. Mm. Because, you know, as you were talking about Jude 2021, you said, keep yourself in the love of God. And so you've gone through this personal journey, mm -hmm. but that journey didn't stop with just you, and it's right. become kind of your life yeah. and, and your journey, and, and that's why you're here. Um, so I just want to invite you, like, as you've interacted with hundreds of pastors and, and hundreds of people across mm -hmm. the United States, you know, not just this church, but what's the problem? What's the biggest need? What's the biggest hurt that we're experiencing right now? Well... You know, Kurt Thompson, some of you have read some of his works. He's a Christian psychiatrist. I just love this brother. He's, 
he's a, he's a brilliant man and a brilliant professional, but he's got such a heart for people. He said one time, a couple of years ago, I heard him say, we all come out of the womb looking for someone, looking for us with love and delight. And he said, today, I'm 56 years old. I'm a successful psychiatrist. I have a family. And he said, I'm still looking for the same thing. And he went on to say, that's because we're made in the image of a God who the scripture says is love. And so we're created not to respond to law. We're not created to respond to rules. We're not created to respond to that finger-pointing image we have, sometimes of mom and dad or the principal or the coach or God himself. We are created to respond to love. And as I began to understand that that was true and that's what I was missing, I began to look into the scripture. And I'm like, I've been a Christian all these years since I was five, so 31 years I've been a follower of Jesus. And no one really seemingly has told me how core, how central this is. Nobody told me about John 15, some of Jesus' last words um, to his apostles, uh, where he said something that one commentator said is the closest thing to an ethical command out of the mouth of Jesus in the entire Gospel of John. That's strong. 21 chapters, closest thing to Jesus saying, you must do this. And this is what he said to his disciples, and that would be us. As the Father has loved me, so love I you. Abide in, make your home in, reside in, live in my love. Because my love will protect you, empower you, it will fill you, and it will be your journey mate against the powers of darkness as you try to rescue my, God's sons and daughters from, from literally the, 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 the arms of hell. And of course, Peter, a guy who was there listening to those words, when he describes the Christian experience, he talks about us following a Jesus, quote, whom having not seen, we love. And then, of course, the apostle, the apostle Paul, in, in the pinnacle of his um, uh, writings in Ephesians, pinnacle of his theology in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, he prays this prayer, and at the closing part of this prayer, passionately, he says, I'm praying that you might be rooted, agricultural term, grounded, um, um, more of an architectural term, that you might be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, that love that is so high and wide and deep and long, because to know that love is to be filled with all the fullness of God. So long answer to your question, Jared, I, I think evangelical Christianity is incredibly left-brained. We have Bible studies galore. We have how many different translations of the Bible. We have headfuls of knowledge. But my experience has been most of us don't know deep inside today how much God loves us. Thus, instead of being full, out of which we can obey and take that love to the world, we're empty looking for something to fill that love. That's what I see as being the biggest issue in the church today. Yeah, I think... um and that's Nathan. I'm Jared, by the way. Just what did I, I say? Knew, well, Jared? you called oh him Jared, but I'm that's so fine. Sorry. You, you, Stage fright. You, the first thing you said when you got here, though, is I'm old. So we already got this that out, true. Of, out of the way. So Early signs of dementia. <laughs> um, sorry, bro. That's all right. God. That's all right. Next service, we're going to switch and just yeah. mess with you just to see what happens. Um, I, you know, I think about, I look at the state of our world, and I said it at the beginning, you know, we think about the world around us right now, like, 
there's a deficiency of love, right? Mm. And, and it's probably obvious to say that when you look at the world or culture who might not yet know Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also a deficiency of love within the church and the American churches. And, and you interact with pastors all the time yeah. all throughout the nation and maybe in Canada too, I'm not sure. But um, I wonder if there's a deficiency in love um, and I, and I wonder what those reasons might be. I wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Um, and I'll kind of lead you a little bit in that verse that you mentioned in First Peter. You haven't mm-hmm. seen, seen him, but you, you love him. Right before that, he talks about you will endure many trials. Yeah. And I think that the people of God in the church, they know about God's love, but then the moment circumstances or trials or suffering come their way, it's an immediate opportunity to question that love. If I'm going through this, then God must not actually love mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit in your experience of conversations with people? Well, first of all, to the pastoral piece, and this, I don't know, might be shocking to you, and I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm nobody's judge. We all have one judge. But my experience has been that so many pastors, because we go to seminary and we, we get... We get some good training. I'm, I, I appreciated my seminary training, but I don't remember talking much about the most important thing, according to Jesus and Peter and Paul and all 66 books of the Scripture, that we know and experience the love of God. Um, so I think that most pastors, they'll, they know the word eros, they know the word agape, they know the word philos, they know the word storge, the four classical terms for the love of, of, of anyone, let alone God. But what they don't have is the experience of the love of God. And so what church becomes then is a place where folk come in with their brokenness. We've all come in today with some kind of wound, multiple wounds. If we could pause time and we could just get together with each other and look each other in the eye and let each other feel the care that we have and say, what's going on? The wounds would start pouring out. So the way we've approached church, Jared... Um, <laughs> yes. is, is people come in and we tell them some more stuff. And then we say, go do it. You have a wound in your marriage? Well, here's four things you need to go do. Go do. When we forget the fact that we come in with emotional trauma from childhood, some from last night, we come in with false beliefs in our brain. You're not enough. You'll never be enough. You're not uh, good looking enough. You're not talented enough. Uh, if everybody knew who you really were, they wouldn't want to be your friend. We come in with all that baggage, and then many of us have just flat been traumatized. And trauma, it doesn't mean, it, we usually think trauma is for those, that special group of um, wounded people that have, certain kinds of things have happened to them, but trauma is simply anything that the enemy brings upon us that wounds us, that if left unhealed, keeps us stuck in a, a certain place in our journey. I've, I've vetted that definition with therapists, and so we're all traumatized in some way, and so we're trying to heal deep wounds with words. And then we tell folk, go do those words, and if they don't, we basically either openly or imply shame. Why, why aren't you getting it? Because the rest of us are getting it, and that's not true because only the love of Christ can heal the wounding of the enemy in our lives. So if pastors don't know that love for themselves and they're just trying to get it done 
and they're giving get-it-done Christianity to the church, and then the world's going, do you, do you folks in, in church have anything for us? Because they're intuitively looking for what Kurt Thompson says we all come out of the womb looking for, and they look at the church and they go, no, they got some good rules, but they don't even, they don't even practice their stuff themselves. And so all of a sudden you see the enemy by making some good things. The Ten Commandments are good. By trying to make some good things the best thing, it becomes a bad thing, and the world literally um, rots, yeah. waiting for the love of Jesus to come and heal them. I think, thank you. I, I wish, there's, there's times sometimes when I preach where I'm like, I wish I could take what I'm feeling out of my chest and put it into yours. Yeah. And, and those are the moments where I've experienced or encountered Jesus, and I want that for people. Yeah. Um, without indeed. it, I, there's nothing. Yeah, indeed. It, it, without that intimate relationship with Jesus, which is our inheritance that, of what he did on the cross. Yeah. See, a lot of us, that our, our religion <clears throat> is just that, a religion, without that personal relationship with God. And, and why is it any better than other religions? Why? Um, yeah. and now, it is truth. I'm, I'm th- speaking from an outsider's perspective, yeah, yeah, like you're right. saying. But this encounter with Jesus, I, we were talking earlier this week, and um, I don't remember who said it, but I wrote this down. The heart of the kingdom is our re- intimate relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the kingdom work, the movement that goes out, it, it, it is all an overflow yes. of the ex- personal and corporate experience of the presence of Jesus. That's, That's why it. encounter Jesus is so important to us. Encountering Jesus isn't do good things so that you are like Jesus. It's literally know him yes. and experience him. Yes. Um, but I find that we've had uh, generations of people who have not encountered it or yeah. been in places where they've been taught that Indeed. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So First Peter 1.8 is the one that you talked about. Though you have not seen him, you love him. So there's this call for us to love. So a question I might be asking if I'm in the audience is like, oh, man, I want that, mm. but I haven't experienced that. Mm. I don't know what that's like or I've forgotten what that's like. And often we experience Jesus for the first time before we know him through someone. Like, have you ever heard the phrase, you're the first Jesus someone is yeah, going to encounter? indeed. But that as that continues, I believe that that's where the church comes into play, that we experience and encounter the love of Jesus Christ through people first and often. Often. Often yeah. and mm-hmm. often. And, and so I, I wanted to ask this question, like, what's the role of discipleship and relationships in experiencing the love of Jesus? You know, usually when we think of the word discipleship, I mean, this has at least been my experience, um, we think of here's some facts that I want to communicate to this person that doesn't know the facts. And again, just do it. Uh, Christianity becomes, discipleship becomes a just do it endeavor. Let me go through these Bible verses, get them in you, and then go do them, which again, as wounded as we are, I mean, if that's, if that's what Christianity was, then we could be any of the other world religions because all the other world religions are about just do it. Here's our stuff. Go get it done. But interestingly enough, a Peter, who was there the night that Jesus said, you've got to make your home in my love. Without my love, you cannot survive the onslaught of hell. You cannot, let alone thrive and bring my kingdom to earth. That Peter said um, in 1 Peter 4, after he said the Christian experience is about loving the Jesus we've never seen and being loved by him. 
he says, the end of all things is at hand. And then he says, pray fervently. But then he says something profound. He says, above all things, even more important than prayer. Are you kidding me? Above all things, love one another fervently. The Greek word means consistently and intensely because that love will heal a multitude of sins. To paraphrase, that love of Jesus, Peter is saying, that he called us to live in and abide in will push back anything the powers of darkness bring into our lives. We won't be healed completely until glory, but whatever the trauma, whatever the wound, the love of Jesus Christ that N.T. Wright says since the cross is the new power, that love will push back the darkness and will heal a multitude of sins. So in discipleship, to me, I've come to believe the most important thing is to help the, the discipler to help the disciplee, if that's a word, to begin to experience through them the love of God in Jesus Christ that will begin to heal their broken hearts. You know what's interesting? Neurobiology tells us that our limbic brain, which is where we do relationship, where we feel our feelings, the limbic brain can be healed, can be broken and wounded as early as the third trimester in the womb by the opposite of love, which is shame, that feeling that we're, we'll never be enough. But then neurobiologists also say that literal biological damage in the brain from shame, don't miss this, can be healed by love. And so science is backing up what Peter said and Jesus said 2,000 years ago, love really is the new power. And as our disciple begins to experience the love of Jesus and old wounds from childhood and present wounds from the present and just bad choices and whatever begin to be healed, all of a sudden what Jesus says is true. We will start to love him and then we will start to obey him. So the stuff that we are teaching that person will begin to be real in their lives, not because they've gritted their teeth and said, I will do it, I will do it, I will, I will, I will, but because the love of Jesus is beginning to overtake their journey as a son or a daughter of God and the obedience begins to flow out of a return love to him. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I love the, um, the progression of that group of verses in chapter 4, verses 8, but before that, you, you said, the end of all things is near. My translation says, the end of the world is coming soon. <laughs> ah, I freak out moment, right? Like, uh, and Peter says that 2,000 years ago. Soon. I, I told you this earlier. I want yeah. to know what his definition of soon is. Indeed. Like To my kids, I say, hey, we're going to be having dinner soon. That's like 10 minutes. Um, Peter, we're still, you know, 2,000 years away from his soon of when the world is ending. But the immediate, you know, you talk about neurobiology. The immediate thought when we read something like that is freak out, uh, fight or flight or freeze, right? Like, um, go live in a cave, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And go into a state of panic. And I think, you know, again, we look at the state of the world and we start to try to determine, okay, where are we at with that? Is the end of the world coming soon? But then the progression is like, no, pray. Be disciplined in pray, yeah. prayer. Uh, love each other deeply. And then right after that, you've got this really simplistic... You should, you should get a meal together with people. You should open up your home. The world might end tomorrow, but today, love each other by inviting them into your home. Right. How have you seen sort of this hospi hospitable nature of God 
through you go into that experience of loving one another. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, how do I? Yeah, yeah, how do you? (laughs) Should I be more... Um, Let me see. Okay. Um, Well, let me just say that... Well, here's a brief story. I I, I think I share this in the second book, the book called Free, um, that you'll see at the book table. Um, I was at getting ready to travel somewhere to do, to do this with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I was in a restaurant in the Detroit airport. I got there early, and I sat down, and a waitress began to wait on me. And maybe because I raised three daughters, I began to feel this young woman's pain. And by the way, I think that's what happens. Once the, the love of Jesus begins to heal us, it, you, that love just begins to reach out. You can't help it. I didn't sit there and go, what righteous thing can I do tonight before I leave this restaurant? <laughs> I could not. Listen, gang, I'm, I'm just me. I'm just me. I'm just a wounded healer. Sometimes I wonder if I'm that. Yeah. But that night, I'm just telling you, I felt this young lady's journey. And so at the end, I left her. I began to pray for her, and I left her a big tip. And at the front... And I'm an older guy, and I'm not trying to be a creeper, you know? <laughs> and so I said to the maitre d', could you get my waitress, please? Would you mind? I have something to share with her. I had another $20, $20 bill that I was going to give to her. And as she came up, I said, look, I, I don't want you to think I'm a creepy old guy, but you mind if I share something with you for a moment? She said, of course. And I gently touched her shoulder, and I said, I just, I don't do this all the time, but I felt compelled tonight to tell you that I felt your pain. And it was like time stopped. And then I said, I want you to know that I believe in a God who I also think loves us so much, loves you so much, loves me so much. He feels your pain. And I think he wants me to tell you that he sees you and he's with you. You're not alone. All shall be well. And as I slipped that 20 into her hand, I'm telling you, brothers, her hands flew up to her face now, we don't know exactly what was going on inside her, but I think, I think I know that for maybe the first time in her entire life, she thought, somebody sees me. Do you think God could see me? She felt the love of Jesus and was so overwhelmed by it, she didn't know what to do. So she ran out the front of the restaurant, into the restroom, and I have never seen that young woman again. But I believe, you know, that, you know what I call that? Evangelism. We have made evangelism into this series of facts that we transfer to another human being. And the, the gospel does have content. Don't, don't think that I'm some kind of a new age, you know, whatever. I, I believe in the content of the gospel. But the gospel content that isn't surrounded with and saturated by love doesn't understand how Jesus roamed the streets of Israel in the New Testament I read a guy one time who said, do you know how many people in Israel, people walked by every day on the streets of Jerusalem and Nazareth and didn't see, they felt like nobody sees me? And then he said, this is Donald Miller in his book, Searching for God Knows What. He says, then one day, being unseen day after day after day, nobody feels me, nobody sees me, nobody cares. One day, God walks down the street and comes right up to them and touches them and looks them in the eye and lets them know in a way that's undeniable. They're cared for. They're loved. They're seen. Healing is just around the corner. He said that must have been the greatest moment in their lives. 
my brothers and sisters, that's what the broken world is waiting for. But we can't give them what we aren't receiving. And if we receive that love slowly but surely, the end is at hand, love one another fervently, invite people in. You can't not invite people into your... I don't care if you're an extrovert, an introvert, an Enneagram 9, an Enneagram 12. I don't really care. I love the Enneagram, but you get the point I'm trying to make. The love will overwhelm you to the point that it will, it will invite the wound of the world to Christ. I think that's wonderful, and nothing needs to be added to that. I think I'd love to explain a little bit about how this looks practically for me and, and from Jared's perspective um, with you. And part of why you're here um, is because of the undeniable passion you have for the love of Jesus, but also the undeniable <clears throat> passion you have for others to experience the love of Jesus. And, um, you know, as you tell these stories, which, which free and... and, and uh, choose and choose again. Choose yeah. and choose again are full of. It's yeah. the stories... Those are invitations, like the parables which we've been in. They're stories that invite you into something. And what's amazing is, even in this moment, as you were telling that story, I'd love to invite you to say, what emotion was I feeling during that? Mm. Was it longing? Was it awkwardness, uncomfortability, skeptical? What, what was that emotion? Yeah, indeed. And, and it can lead you to a place of understanding about um, your own heart and your own relationship with Jesus. But it's and our it, own longings. Exactly. Our own longings. Yeah. Um, so for me, I interacted with you because Garth, our, our superintendent, was talking to me and he was talking to multiple pastors in the middle of the pandemic who were struggling yeah. and hurt and wounded. And, yeah. the, and the wounds were just everywhere, yes. right? And the trauma. And, and as we kept having people come to us we probably, many of us were drying out yeah. because we weren't overflowing. We were just trying to, like, you know, pump a well that was, you know, drying up yeah. and cracked and all Indeed. that. So we, we met, and the first time we talked, um, I, I experienced you as I experience you now, just this unrelenting love. But I remember there was a moment in the first meeting where I had to choose to accept it. Mm. choose to believe it. Indeed. Choose to turn off all the little voices about this person I'm meeting on Zoom for the first time. Yeah. And there were so many moments I could go over of when I experienced the love of Jesus through you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just this genuine time and moment. And, and I, I would agree with you that, that those moments are, are discipleship. Mm-hmm. Those moments are evangelism that we all still need. And telling us, experiencing the good news. And those are the moments, uh, more than the right leadership practices or the right disciplines or anything like that, those are the moments that change me and empower me to love. Indeed. To be patient and to be That's calm. Right. And to, to be humble. And, and one of the things that you would do all the time, and, and some of you may recognize this phrase, where I would, I would talk about my relationship with you in passing as we talked about discipleship because it's so important to us. And I said... He, he refuses to call me anything else but son. Mm. And you're, you're trying to reestablish in my life those moments where I come to you and I'm hurting and I'm pained and I've said some really bad words uh, about things to this person. There was, you know, just a raw and honest, visceral, four-letter words. Yeah. And the way you met me was like a father would mm. 
a young child who's hurting. And you just said, I love you. I'm here. Yeah. And those are the moments of healing. And those are the moments not where, no, if you would just think about it differently. If you would just be a better pastor. And, mm. and all, I've received that in love. Yeah. But it wasn't love. Indeed. It was trying to conform and say, hey, you got to live up to something mm-hmm. where God comes into our mess and says, I want to hold your pain with you. Yeah. So I thank you for that. You're welcome, son. For showing me what that means and what that looks like. Indeed. So that I can do that as well Indeed. in my own healing. Indeed. Um, and Jared, I know that you've had experiences, so I wanted to give you a chance just to uh, express it's, it's very, we're very different people, we you are. and I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you uh, And I appreciate that. So yeah. I, I, I'm grateful that we have another perspective of what love looks like. Yeah. Um, Nathan never gets emotional, does he? Uh, <laughs> but it, it moves me, too. And thank you for being so vulnerable. Um, and actually that causes me to think about one interaction that we had on Zoom. So we got to meet just uh, for the first time in person in your backyard, but then quickly after that, you had moved out to Colorado. Um, And then we had another meeting on Zoom. And I think you said something along the lines of recognizing my pain of of things that I'd been experiencing. I think you said something like, I feel like you just need to have a good cry. (laughs) You know, you're hurting and you just... I don't know, maybe you asked me when's the last time I cried. I can't remember entirely mm-hmm. what, the, what you said verbatim, but I just felt um, numb and maybe apathetic, you know, and I think that, even that in and of itself, the numbness is, a, is a, an indicator of, have I encountered Jesus lately? Yes. <laughs> um, have I experienced his love, even though it is so great to understand? Have I experienced it? Yes. And one of the conversations, um, well, so, so that conversation was impactful to me. And I, I didn't, even in that moment, I was just kind of like, yep. I remember. All right, you know? Yes, I remember. And not that I was annoyed with you or like wanting to get out of the conversation. I was just trying to intellectualize my own mm-hmm. internal emotional state, I guess, and, and lack of emotions and numbness. Um, and then I'm reminded of the conversation that we all had just on Wednesday about sometimes people think that pastors have this sort of special anointing, like we've got it all figured out, um, we know how to do this stuff, or that there's this perspective, and this has been said to any of us in a variety of different ways of like, well, of course you guys know how to experience the love of God, you're pastors, like you know how to do it right? Uh, as if there's some kind of perfect formula that, that we have access to. And I got to tell you, um, being on this stage and any other platform for that matter, sometimes makes it harder mm-hmm. to encounter the love of God yes. because you ju- it becomes a job if you're not careful, right? We just, well, I do the stuff. I was trained how to, you know, share this um, share this as a program and take people through these steps um, that it becomes so numbing. Can I, can I share like, yeah. like this? Performance and love are antithetical. Mm. And to the extent that a community of faith 
not because they're trying to, but it's just kind of the way the modern evangelical Western church is set up to the extent that anything up here or anything in a Bible study becomes in any sense a performance. Like I need to deliver the goods. Love has no space to yeah. be in that room. Yeah. And that's, thank you for saying that and interjecting because I think that's where I was leading to or, or where I needed to be led to and reminded of is you gave me the freedom to not perform for you. Yeah, indeed. So, and I didn't. Yeah. That is so freeing. It is. To and not I, have to perform. A word that I would add to this, and I think you might echo this, when love is present, you can't not feel safe. Now, you may not be used to safety, so you might run from safety or push back from the safety. But when love is present, people start to be free to experience in that safe environment who they really are. And by experiencing who they really are, then Jesus now is free to meet them there in that small community yeah. of brothers and sisters. And that's what has happened yeah. between us at Zoom. That's it. Nothing I, magic. Nothing right. magical. And can I say one more thing about that? Um, this is why we invite people forward for prayer. Indeed. To not perform and yes. to have the freedom to not perform, to not, as you're walking up, to think of, okay, this is how I need, this is what I need to say. This is how I need to tell them that, you know, no, no. Just to be. Just come forward unfiltered and, and, and just breathe and, yeah. and experience freedom in that. And, and as you said earlier, like the love of God is sometimes best experienced through another person. We're not asking you to perform a task when you come forward for prayer. We're asking you to experience and encounter the love of God together. Yes, that's right. Yeah. As I think about this whole series on parables about the kingdom, and I think about searching in the dirt and fishing for the kingdom, as I was talking about last week, really it's the joy. It's the joy of love and the joy of what he's doing. And I, it's a treasure all around you that you may not have been trained on how to find. And finding the love of God is that step, and, and sometimes it has to be. And I remember the first time I really f experienced the love of a father is, is another mentor of mine who is also old. Uh, but <laughs> I, I feel like that's a bad thing. It's not. It's, not. it's just so it's good. Um, it, <laughs> but I remember um, I was coming forward for prayer. Yeah. And I got there, and I had the rehearsed line. Yeah, see. You know? Yeah. And I got there and I looked at him, and this is one of the men in my life that I've met who just exude the love of God. Yeah. And I saw, I met, I made contact with his eyes, and I was done. It was over. Yeah. And I'm like, and he just grabbed uh, some anointing oil and put it on his hands, and he grabbed me on both sides of my face and just prayed love over me. Uh, and it was like overwhelming. Uh, yeah, he's getting excited. He wants to do My that gosh, I want some of that right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, we know this is hard. There's some level of vulnerability that has to come. So what we want to do now is just talk briefly, what do we do? Yeah. How do we step into this without it being some kind of, you know, performance thing? You know, how do we step into the love of Jesus Christ? And I'll read the scripture, and then I'll give it to, over to you because yeah. this, is, this is your thing, mm. your pathway. Mm. Um, but Ephesians, you referenced it earlier, Ephesians 4 or 3. Uh, starting in verse 14. And this is the prayer he has uh, for his people. For us. For yeah. us, for you. This is what he wants for us. Listen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being so that, what's all this for? To perform? No, listen. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to go out and do the work of the kingdom. No. He wants you to know the love of God so that you can grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He has to empower you to grasp how much he loves you. How do we do that? Yeah. It's overwhelming. And, and I, man, I wish... This is what I always wish. Um, we could pause time and I could come down and just say, tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. And that we could start dreaming about the freedom that will come from this healing love. Can you imagine never having to force yourself to pray again? You're just so in love with Jesus, you can't not. I, 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 to never force yourself to do that. I don't really think reading the Bible is a discipline, no offense. It's an invitation to connect with the one who loves us. Can you imagine that kind of freedom? That when you look at his face, you don't see him going, I know where you were last night. It, it, instead, you just said, come here, son. Come here, daughter. So I like to think of the healing process as a process because the wounds are deep and myriad. The enemy's no fool. He's a roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. And even if we healed from all the past wounds, he would continue to wound us all the way home. So it's a process. <clears throat> I think it's a relational process. It starts with our relationship with ourselves. When Paul says in Ephesians 4, stop lying to one another, but tell the truth to one another because you're members of one another. What if this morning, what if the first one another was you, you with you, that instead of continuing to front or to wear a mask, what if you took the mask off and say, I gotta be honest, man, I've been trying. I have been performing. I've been working at this thing for a decade or a year or the last six months especially, and I'm just exhausted and I'm empty. What if you just started there, my brother and sister? Just, just tell the truth. You're safe here this morning. Tell the truth. <clears throat> Second relational movement toward the Father. One of the scriptures that has come alive to me in the last 30 years is Romans 8.15, at the pinnacle of Romans theology, of Paul's Romans theology, he said, we've not been given in Christ the spirit of fear unto bondage, but we've been given the Holy Spirit of adoption that causes our hearts to cry out. And you know what the Greek word translated cry out means? It means cry out. (laughs) It means literally like my little girl Andrea when she was two and I would come home from the church, she would go to the window and say, Daddy's home. He's home. He's home. What, what if our relationship with uh, God was when we see him, instead of going, oh, my gosh, he's, he's, he's pissed. He's angry. He, I screwed it up again. I know I haven't been enough seeing maybe the visions of our precious earthly father who tried but didn't get it done. What if we saw a God who is Abba? On the streets of Jerusalem today, you'll hear little children crying out, Abba, Abba, for their for their daddy. What if, what if when we see God, we see a father running to us? If we've been in the far country, he's running 
to catch us before we even get home, to, to envelop us with, with kisses and compassion and to gift us and to party because my son is home, my daughter is home. Taking our stuff to the Father is the second relational movement. Get honest about what it is. What if you took a risk today to say, you already know everything, but you're waiting for me to tell you everything. My little girls, when they were in pain, when they were little, they would run to me. They would pour their stuff out, their tears out of my chest. And then after five or 10 minutes, uh, guys, it was like, I, it, I'm done with you. And they pushed away <laughs> and would go back to play. Not because they were done with me, but because by their time on their father's chest, they had received what they were looking for in their pain. Isaiah talks about beauty for ashes. What if our second movement today and every day was simply, here's what's really going on, Father, and I'm bringing it to you. I'm pouring it out to you. Third movement is toward one another. What if this place became, yes, I understand the stage. I get it. I understand the venue for preaching and for singing. But what if Life Church, and I'm not saying it's not that, but what if it could increasingly be a place where we move like this and like this and safety is created so I cannot just tell the father, myself and the father what's going on. I tell our, my brother and my sister. And what if the love, not the advice, we may not have very good counsel at all, but what if the love that's transferred when honesty is put onto the table and love hits that truth, that often that shame, and begins to heal it. What if vulnerability in the body of Christ, met by love, 1 Peter 4, 8, begins to heal yeah. a multitude of sins? What if those three relational movements are the essence of our life with the love of God in Jesus Christ? What if? I think that's the journey we're on as a, as a community. Um, so ways you can do that every week is by coming in and opening yourself up, trying to be safe, trying to create belonging with other people, yeah. uh, listening to the words and letting it hit you, um, being curious about what God's moving in your heart, coming forward and receiving prayer. Um, one of the ways I want to talk about how we're going to do that today, ongoing though, um, it, it takes time, and it takes investment, and it takes that moment of, am I going to let someone else speak into me mm. or not? Yeah. Which might be the most precious gift and biggest risk you can take. Indeed. Uh, we got to trust the Holy Spirit to move through people uh, in that. So maybe you are feeling like you're down. You start crying at the beginning. You're good. Like, I want to I experience more of God, and you're like, I'm all about this. Great. Like, come get prayer. Do what you need to do. Um, but there are varying different degrees, and, and there might be people who are like, I want this, but I've never experienced this. There are people who are like, I'm not sure exactly what I'm feeling, uh, and then it always to the place where someone's like, I'm just curious. I want to know more about this, I, 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 and, I, and I'm not having an emotional reaction, but I, I want to know more, yeah. and then there are those who are like, I want nothing to do with that. Um, all of those are valid responses. And God wants to move you in the midst of it. Amen. What I, what I think is beautiful about your books, um, and we talked about it this little, this book is free, is you had so many people come to you and say, okay, 
read your first, first book, Choose and Choose Again, uh, but I want to know more. I want to know how these pathways that That's you've right. talked about, how do I move into this? How do I go into this? And so this book is really about that. Yeah. And it does it in kind of a parable-like way. You tell a story about something that happened. And it, it's, I, it took me a while to get through this. Like, I, I got emotional about stuff, so I just had to stop. But that was an invitation to encounter Jesus Indeed. in the midst of it. So I, I, I'm grateful that you wrote this book. Mm. Um, I think no matter where you're at, even if you're like, I don't want anything to do with this, I'd still encourage you to read it because it, it is such a, um, a beautiful expression of what you have experienced of the love of God and what others have as well. Do you mind if it's I invitation. even share the, the title? Yeah. It's Free, Rescued from Shame-Based Religion, Released into the Life-Giving Love of Jesus. Yeah. That's good. Um, two things as we close. Uh, we're going to have you go out into the lobby and let you talk to people and give you time to do that. You have Indeed. your books for sale, but I think you should at least come and meet them. Um, and then we'll talk about what we'll do in here in, in a moment. Um, but I, I would love for you to do two things. One, I'd love for you to pray over us as a community. Love to. And then second, I'd love for you to invite anyone who maybe wants to experience the love of Jesus for the first time. Um, mm. Invite them to a relationship with Jesus. In, in indeed, indeed. And I'd love to, to close in that way unless there's anything else, Jerry. No, take it away. So the Jewish community, often folk keep their eyes open and look up, but our tradition is usually to kind of shut out the outside and bow our heads. So why don't we do that right now? Mm -hmm. Abba, You know, I can hardly call your name Abba without getting emotional because you have saved my life and you continue to save my life and to fill me with your love and, and continue to heal broken places and pieces that still exist inside me, some of whom, some of which I'm finding out and understanding that they won't be completely healed until I'm home. But we come to you today, some of us maybe for the first time, and say, Abba, trusting, hoping that maybe you are the loving God that we have been talking about this morning, that maybe you really do love each of us, no matter how deeply we have been living in our own particular far country. Or maybe we've been the brother or the son that's outside the party in our righteousness saying, yeah, I don't need that that you still come to us and invite us to come home to you. My father, I'm thinking of the person who might be here this morning, one of your sons and daughters that just doesn't know yet that they're your son or daughter. Could this be the moment? Could this be the morning when they have courage to look at you in their mind's eye right now and see you, tears coming down your face, looking at them, arms open wide, inviting them through Jesus to say yes. I don't have all the answers, but I believe in you, God, through your son, Jesus Christ. I'm taking my first step toward home. Would you give courage, Father, to folks who might have been hanging on the fringes of 
Life Church, maybe they're even serving in the ministry. I don't know, but yet they know in their hearts they've yet to say, I believe. Who knows what they thought they had to feel like or do. I'm praying that now they realize they don't have to do anything. It's love through grace, through the cross of Jesus Christ that says simply believe. And then finally, Father, for those of us who have believed for years, but man, it sure hasn't felt like a family. It's felt more like a school with you as our, I don't know, our religious instructor constantly, no matter how much we've studied, study more. Or in the spiritual journey, you're some kind of a a coach, no matter how much we've accomplished, can you cut just another tenth of a second off your spiritual 40 time? or some other image that I'm not recalling right now. Oh, God, I pray for each of your sons and daughters here today, my father. I pray for Nathan and Jared. I pray for my own heart as a son, that your Holy Spirit might speak to us right now. You can let go. You can stop the striving. You can begin to heal from your shame that constantly speaks to you in in ways that make you feel the nothingness that you're afraid that you are. And you can begin to hear my voice. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. I'm inviting you, Father, invite your sons and daughters into the first moment of the rest of their lives, which is going to be a journey of abiding in your love, your healing, protective, filling, empowering love. All the way home. Even when the shells are exploding overhead, we're in the valley of the shadow of death, that we know that we don't have to be afraid because our loving Father, our shepherd, our Christ is with us. And his love has us and will have us forevermore. This is my prayer now for my precious brothers and sisters in Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Can you guys thank Kevin for being here today? What a powerful just reminder of the foundation of our faith, which is the person of Jesus Christ and, and the love that God has shown us through him. Just, I know I'm going to spend the rest of the week reflecting on God's love and, and the part it plays in my motivation and my faith and my belief and how I interact with the world around me. So, I hope you enjoy this message and you spend the week reflecting on some of those things too. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, whether it's something that came up from this message or just something you got going in your life, be sure to let us know. You can let us know via the Now page, a fill out connect card, or you can just uh, find information to send us direct contact. But uh, I hope you have a good week. I hope you have a blessed week. I hope your week is full of the love of God. We'll talk to you soon.